0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Black Atlantic. Uh, my name is Clinton, and as you can see, we have Hillary LeBlanc, AKA Cropberry.
1: Uh, We are also joined by uh, the team and some of the uh, people who are educated through careers, education, and empowerment, an organization that we are so excited to learn more about today. So we've got Mike, Nancy, and Agape on who we are going to be speaking to for the next little bit about this wonderful organization and some of what Black youth experience when they are trying to be employed.
0: So wherever and however you're taking us in, be that visually or on one of our audio podcasts, please, please make sure you hit that follow, subscribe button, uh, like and comment, and everything you do really helps out the channel. Let's get into it.
1: Awesome. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Amazing awesome we're happy to have you all here um and uh, i'll start off by saying this is (laughs) one that's hilarious Sorry. (laughs) This is one of the rare episodes um, where we get approached by an organization and a group of people and we get to learn more and be educated as we do our journalistic work. So I'm very excited. Um, It's also uh, an episode where we get to sort of inform some of our East Coast listeners about an organization out here in Toronto. But from what I saw in my research, you are like there's an expansion. You've done more than just, you know, some Toronto based work. I saw some work in Quebec and Montreal as well. So we're so excited to learn more about CEE careers, education, and empowerment. Um, but to start, I was saying before the show, I do know a little bit about some of you. I know about you, Agape. Um, you won a Harry Jerome Award, um, which I got to talk about a little bit, my experience going, and it um, was very exciting. But you're the executive director of this organization. So I'm curious if you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this role and and what this organization really does.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks for having us. This is very exciting. Um I personally, what got me into this industry is really a very similar program to the ones that we run at C. Um, As a young person, I often say that now I have the privilege of being able to serve young people that I once was at one point. Um, In my kind of life experience, my mother passed away at a very young age, at 14. And so I was a recipient of social services. I needed money to go to to school and bus fare and all of those other things and so navigating was always really uh tough for me but i had some amazing people who worked at organizations like c um it wasn't c specifically but ones that are in the social service sector that really supported me one of those being united way um and i entered into a leadership program um at united way that really led me into this career path and made me realize oh i could actually make a career out of helping people and doing what it was that um, I needed and what, how other people helped me. And so that's kind of how I ended up in this career path. And so I really believe in programs um, like the ones that we run up here at C, because at C, what we really focus on is workforce development. So helping young people figure out where they see themselves contributing to the economy, what are their passions, what are their talents, how can they um, take that and fuel it into something. Usually when we're talking about youth employment, We're often just trying to get people in jobs and not necessarily careers. Uh, And we're, and oftentimes Black youth are told just like take whatever's in front of you because you should be happy to have a job. But I think the opportunity here is for us to create opportunities for people to create careers and things that they're passionate about and things that they're talented at. And that's what we do here.
0: Okay. That's an amazing description of what your organization does. Uh, Regarding Black youth employment, um, can you share some of the maybe interesting statistics that might shock our listeners, or even if it doesn't shock us, just what does Black youth employment look like right now?
2: So there are actually millions of jobs in Canada. We're often hearing our government talk about labor gaps and how we need to fill those labor gaps with immigrants and young folks. And so there are jobs in this country, but what we're seeing is that black youth are actually an untapped resource that this country needs to start to tap into because we have two times worse than the national average when it comes to unemployment. We're almost sitting at 30% in 2021 for black youth unemployment in this country. And so it doesn't make sense and it's not adding up for us to have so many jobs and for us to be training young people in industries that are sought after but at the same time, our, our unemployment rate is not lowering. And so it seems like Black youth are overrepresented in all the wrong places, but we need to start honing in on their assets and what, they're, what they have to offer this
0: economy. Without me making any guesses or assumptions, I mean, what, is, what are some of the theories or what are some of the reasons that Black youth employment is so much higher than other groups? Unemployment.
2: Well, I think we have to face the fact that it's a hiring bias. There's really um, no other reason uh, that we can really come up with. I mean, if you look at the statistic that uh, of black people in this country and our education, um, we actually are one of the highest educated populations in all of the country. So we're overrepresented in all of the wrong places and overrepresented in all the right places, but they're not adding up, if that makes sense. Right? Like if we're the most educated population, then why do we have such horrible outcomes when it comes to unemployment? Right. And so I think we, I think it's an opportunity for us as Canadians and really realizing that it's not a black problem, um, that when all of us are able to contribute meaningfully to society that we all win as Canadians, but if I were to say what the number one issue is, it's clearly a hiring bias. And then I think the other two aspects are social capital, our young people being able to have the social capital, the people around them to be able to navigate. And the the third, I would probably say is exposure. There's a lot of jobs in this country that our young people just need to be exposed to you know, if we're using Mike Regis as an example, there's a lot of jobs in the entertainment industry that, you know, are untapped. Uh, if you're looking at Nancy, she uses uh, IT and social media. She, she um, kind of goes across IT and, um, and entertainment, right? And so there's a lot of jobs that are just in the hidden market for our community. If you don't see it around you, then you don't know to pursue it. And so exposure, Social capital and hiring bias are the three main reasons why we're seeing the outcomes we see.
0: Okay.
1: I find that, like, Uh, unsurprising answers and I also find that that can probably relate not only to our listeners that are black of color visible minorities but growing up in New Brunswick I was off you're offered about the same five jobs it felt like in my world it was like be a personal support worker because of the growing boomer industry become a teacher or work as an esthetician because you're a a woman and you should be basically painting nails and then you move to Toronto and you see like this booming entertainment industry is a perfect example of places that like I don't think as a kid, I could have ever conceptualized, let's say, being a journalist or working in media or working in entertainment or anything like that until you move to a place where you have those examples around you. But it, as a kid who grew up as well, like in the system on welfare, it's not something that I could have dreamed for myself or seen. And so I like completely understand um, the value behind this organization already. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, we both, like, we do have Mike and Nancy here and I do want to start to ask both of you, Mike, if you'd like to start, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to become engaged with CE and had you heard about it or, or like, how does that sort of, how does your relationship start with this organization?
3: Well, it's always been a, an amazing relationship My story is that I was in the film industry and I really came across a really bad incident when it came to actually hiring and I had a really bad experience. So for two years, I decided to travel the world to tell my story. And C was there every step of the way. I saw the posts. I saw what they're doing for the community. But for some reason, as I was traveling the world, it was not working out. So I saw the C's production accounting program. So I decided to enroll in it because it's all about numbers. And that program changed my life. This, we met with industry professionals, but also the core point was the soft skills. That was the first time I really got to sit with somebody to talk about my feelings and talk about what I was going through. And that is when it all changed. c has been incredible. You know, we're all on billboards now, and that's changed my life forever. It's absolutely awesome. The types of opportunities are starting to really open up in my life. And it really took an organization like this. I've been overlooked so many times. You guys don't understand. So many times, but took an organization to, to see the potential in me wow that's
1: amazing i also really like that plan word see seeing the potential in you i think that should be a slogan <laughs> i don't know if you're also working in pr but i think that someone needs to make that a shirt as well although you already have these very cool sweaters which we'll get into later but um i think that that's an awesome slogan but i can't imagine what that what that experience must have been like for you so Are you able to share with us a little bit of like the negative experience that C helped you, like supported you in? Or is that something that like would be trauma mining you don't want to discuss? Or I'm just very curious.
3: Yeah, I'm open to talk about anything. You know, when I was in the C program, they really supported me at one of my lowest points. One of my best friends had a manic episode and he was one of the most brightest, healthiest guys I've ever seen. And to walk down the street and see him talk to himself on the street, that was a really tough experience to deal with. What was amazing about the C program was I actually got to talk to somebody for the first time about that experience and to really get the help. And that really changed everything. I'm on a really good path right now. Really thank you to the organization i can
0: I can hear the passion and the gratitude in your voice. Uh, the, the sincerity comes through really strong, Mike. Uh, I just want to say that. Um, so you graduated from the accounting program uh, and you've gone on to become a director and a producer of outside genre. Uh, can you tell us about that program and, and the
3: process it took to get to where you are in your career now? So social capital is really big. And what had happened was I was, you know, after the C program, I kept on making content and it got the attention of some people in the industry. So I decided to form Outsider Genre because I really believe in telling our stories. And I know that our stories one day will be told worldwide.
0: That's great. So it's, it's outsider genre. I apologize. Yeah. There. Outsider good, genre. Okay. Thank you for the correction. It's all good. Uh, regarding social capital and stuff like that, just to j- jump back to Agape for a second. Yeah. Like even myself growing up, I grew up in Toronto. I grew up in North York. I went to a good high school and In my last year, yeah, they tried to talk to us about the different jobs out there, but that really connected with me too because there are so many jobs that without exposure to it, like you just don't know about it. Like, there's thousands of jobs out there that I I probably industries I probably could have got into, and I just didn't because there was no one really around me exposing me, and showing like opening my mind to the wide variety of possibilities out there in society. So it's amazing that your organization does that, Um, Haley. Oh, do you want to move on to Nancy and get back to everyone else?
1: Well, I I have a question before we jump to Nancy. I'm just curious. Go ahead. And I, it might tie into another question that we were going to ask about, about like the growth of the organization. But I'm curious because I like I also work in the community health center world during the day. And it just seems to me that it, it wouldn't necessarily be obvious if I generalize from a white lens to add in that kind of like, um, maybe I don't know if therapy is the right word, but talking through feelings and emotions and how that applies to some of the maybe disappointment you're getting in the job industry and then building up that self-esteem to get there. And it feels almost like it's like from an empathetic lens and maybe also a cultural lens as well. And I'm just curious how that got ingrained into the work or if that was like from the start, we're adding these other sort of like mental health, emotional awareness components along with employment sector to really bridge those gaps.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's been foundational. Um, It's been foundational to the organization, understanding that in order for us as Black individuals to bring our entire self to the work, there needs to be a reinstilled sense of pride. Um, And I think there's three very distinct approaches that make us very different. Um, We're not a job agency, even though we could look and feel that way. We really are fixated on these three foundational kind of uh approaches number one is a trauma-informed approach by virtue of being black in this country you're dealing with trauma that other people are just not thinking about not feeling and that's going to be compounded by life experience by the time you show up at our door and for us it's also about for a lot of people there's a potential there's a talent there is all of the ingredients for like success and greatness But sometimes the biggest challenge we have at at times is to undo the lie that's been told to our young people about them. And that kind of really ties into the campaign of who I really am. Like we really want people to discover who they actually are um, and have a a new sense of pride in their black identity. So trauma-informed approach, we have full-time psychotherapists on staff so that people can unpack it. We all have trauma, it doesn't matter what color you are, where you are in society. Um, we are all dealing with some level of trauma. And until we start to unpack that and really start to discover for ourselves who we are, who we want to become, how we want to contribute to society, then we won't be able to bring our full self, right? So that's the first first approach is a trauma-informed approach. The second approach is a person-centered approach. Understanding that there's not like a magic solution that all black youth are gonna come through our doors and like we're gonna treat everyone the same and then we're gonna have the same outcomes, no. Everyone is coming from different backgrounds, different talents, different um, challenges that they might've faced. And we have full-time social workers on staff that work with our young people throughout while they're in program and also just asking simple life questions like, okay, is this the career path that you see yourself in? Do you have small children? If you're entering into a career path that has um, shift work and you have very small children, then maybe this is not an ideal work career path in this moment in time, depending on what your support system looks like, what's your food security, what's your housing look like, supporting the young person while they're in program, but also as they enter into the workforce that they can constantly come back and say, Okay, I need help with this, or I'm having this challenge, right? You know, can you introduce me to this person? So our social workers are really there to help the young people as they're transitioning into the workplace while they're in program and then transitioning into the workplace. The third approach is a culturally relevant approach. And that's where this sense of pride comes in really having conversations about the soft skills and who you are in your black identity instilling a new sense of pride because what often happens is workplaces want you to separate yourself from your blackness and equate it to be something negative but this is an opportunity for us to really instill a sense of pride in our young people and we have modules over 100 modules that provide soft skills curriculum to our young people that are centered in the black identity. It doesn't matter if you're from the continent, if you're from the Caribbean, if you're from South America, what binds us all together is a black identity and bringing pride back to that.
0: Wow.
1: I need to take one of those modules.
0: (laughs) 100 modules, wow.
1: That's amazing. The, I think the, the funny part for me is that the, I think for me, part of the foundation of this podcast is rooted in the fact that I had no Black identity until I was 25. And I moved in with my Black side of my family because I was raised by my white mom. And so the, I think a lot of the crux of the, why I do any of the work I do is learning about all of that. And I find that so fascinating and interesting. And now I'm going, I want to look, I want to look into <laughs> what these <laughs> modules entail just because I, I feel like I could use at least some of the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Nancy.
0: Yes. Oh, Nancy. No,
1: I, I, we were going to do the same thing.
0: <laughs> oh, perfect. Welcome um, Welcome again. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
4: Yeah, no worries. So I'm a digital marketer, a Google product trainer, as well as a blogger. But most importantly, I'm a proud C alumni from the advanced tech program that I did for the 2019 cohort through that experience actually i learned a lot not only um to my profession but personally because they see offered so many like other stuff that is outside the class itself so we did have um, gain like a social worker who would check on us every week during the cohort and we were able to talk and discuss our future plan and some of the stuff that we need when initially when i came to see i just had an idea of like okay i have a blog that nobody visits it but i want to be able to learn digital marketing so i can drive a lot of traffic to my blog and then apart from that also <laughs> is to learn how yeah. how to tap into the industry because i started doing my research that i knew that being in a tech industry that's how the future was moving ahead and especially there's no a lot of people that in my in yeah. my um color that are in those spaces and i want to be able to take spaces and she gave me that opportunity by giving me the scholarship to go ahead and actually entered the program and then from that program i was able to secure a job right away within like a month of graduating
1: yeah oh, that's amazing Congrats. i i the more i'm learning about it one i like see the value and also like man we, we need a tech person i need <laughs> reviews on my blog I'm like i need i need both of you to work for us <laughs> we're all trying to grow in this industry but that's that's amazing Mike can do
2: your content. Nancy can do your marketing. It's like the best
0: duo, yeah, right? <laughs> I feel like it. Yeah, we, we got the team. We got the team here. The squad.
1: Um, I wanted to ask um, before we get into more of the history of CEE, we've referenced the, the Who Am I campaign. Um, and I, I saw some of the sweaters and the billboards. So I'm curious about this campaign. And I think if I'm corrected, does it tie into Black youth can? Um, dot org. And if you can tell us a little bit about about what uh, what is on that website and what people might find there.
2: Yeah, so this is really, Black Youth Can is the um, is a campaign and the overarching campaign. And who I really am is really the message that we're trying to get across. Uh, and so you'll see across the city, uh, Dundas Square Union Station, we have nine alumni, including Mike and Nancy, who are showcased telling their stories who they really are, what they're really brilliant at, what they're doing, all of their, um, all of their accomplishments. You'll see the hoodies that they're wearing um, all have their accomplishments on it and all of the things that they've achieved over time. So it's literally like a resume on the hoodie. And we really, uh, we partnered with publicist group. We've been working on this project for over two years. Um, their entire team kind of came together to help with the creative of this and the ad part of it and it really is uh, a homage to taking back the hoodie. Um, Trevor Noah, who we have sent a hoodie over to. So I'm hoping, I'm saying this on every interview, we're hoping that he's gonna wear it, he's gonna shout us out and he's gonna like come visit. Um, But we really, it's taking back the hoodie when When folks see Black youth in the hoodie, there's always a negative connotation and we're deciding that we're going to take it back. We're going to show people who we really are, that we're brilliant, that we have a lot to offer and that young people are not the problem. Black youth are not the problem. They're actually the solution to a lot of the problems that this country is facing. And so this campaign is really an opportunity for us to tell all of Canada who our young people really are and what they can actually accomplish.
0: That's great. So I don't know if you can see this, Agapi, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Hillary. Yes,
1: we see
2: Mike looking very handsome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say to any That's of our photo. non-audio listeners, you're able to see the campaign in, in Young Dundas Square and the alumni there and uh, the team in the in the sweaters, which is so amazing. Sunny, so, before I read the website, I was like, so can we, like, do we buy sweaters? Like, I guess I like that I think that's a it's a very very cool campaign and a great way to to support the organization but I can't imagine and I know you mentioned it briefly the feeling but Nancy if you wanted to share like what is it like wearing a sweater that has like all of your accolades on it because like I'm hyping myself up with affirmation postings <laughs> yeah. in the mirror and like this 5 minute journal that all the influencers have me like do, doing about my <laughs> affirmations and why I should have woken up today but what is that how does that feel being able to walk around showing the world like what you were able to achieve with this organization
4: honestly i'm gonna be i'm gonna be quite honest like being an entrepreneur and also trying to like have a career it's very hard and sometimes you go through that like a phase of like you know um like doubting yourself you're like okay am i really doing this should i be doing this and whatnot but this hoodie is like a reminder that every day i wear it it's kind of like shows me like how far i have actually come and all this stuff that I have accomplished is like all over my sleeve and my bag, But it's also the, um, in the box that I had received, there was an affirmation that kind of like tells me, um, like to note the reborn of myself and the, 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 essence of like what I have been accomplished. So every morning, if I wake up and i actually read that box and message that is there, it's kind of a constant reminder for me to be like, okay, you know what you have done it and you're going to do it and you're going to achieve whatever that you're doing. And also, um, uh, through my blog itself, I initially thought, okay, maybe this is this is something that I'm just creating for myself. But after going to see and learning all the things that I need to learn, I have finally actually connected back with the people that are back home because my parents are South Sudanese and I never been there. But through the digital marketing, through that experience, I was able to create a blog and interview people that are actually born there and raised there, and then finally now, like you know, I have friends or family that I can talk to. And I get to talk to them virtually, like how I'm talking to you here. And I feel like this just kind of learning digital marketing gave me the access to connect with people worldwide. But also now wearing this sleeve is a kind of reminder, you know what, this world is so small and it's very connected. And that our stories is going to inspire other people. So if there's kind of like a young person who's, back home whether it's in canada and it's trying to be like you know what i want to be like nancy i want to be able to tap into the digital marketing i want to be able to create my own blog on my own job they can look up to me and be like you know what she if she did it they could do it too so this is just like a reminder for myself but also for those who are looking up to us
1: that's amazing um mike i know you had mentioned briefly your feeling about the billboard and the sweater was there anything that you wanted to add as well to how, like how empowering this process has been for you
3: It's been incredibly empowering and I'm really happy that C out of every organization gets this opportunity because the work they're doing for the community is genuine and it's real. And one thing I really appreciate about this organization is that anybody can walk through those doors and you'll be treated like your family because you are.
0: That's amazing. Uh, And that kind of leads to, the next question I have, and it's, it's a kind of a multifaceted question, uh, but if you could tell me and us and our listeners, so how do, how are people brought to see? Like, is there outreach? Do you go to schools and talk to people? Do they have to find you on the internet? Uh, and on top of that, like, how far is it the whole greater Toronto area? Where does your network operate? How many people are in it currently? And how many people have gone through the program? I know that's a lot of questions all at once. You guys can break that up.
2: Yeah. Um, so our program, so we have over a thousand young people who have graduated through our programs. So we've been around for 10 years this year. We got, we just celebrated our 10th year anniversary. We have an 85% retention rate across that 10 years, which means 85% of the young people who come through our doors and train with us end up in jobs that we've trained the, in the industry that we've trained them in. And so that is like no easy feat, but one of the things that I say, and much to what Mike um, just alluded to, like when, or said, when you come through C's doors, you are family. Once we always say, once a part of C, always a part of C. And so it's not a program that you're going to go through it and then we're like, okay, see you later. Good luck. You know, let us know how it goes. (laughs) Um, You're part of a network and there's a there's a sense of responsibility that I think people have when they graduate to then come back and nurture the next folks who are in the programs that they might have been in. And I think that sense of community and camaraderie is what contributes to our ability to outreach. You know, a lot of people here um, that come through C are through word of mouth. They come through the ability uh, from other alumni um, but of course we do outreach, but for the most part, it's word of mouth and people who have come through our programs. And usually we often say that when a young person goes back into their community and they're transformed and they maybe were trying to find their way and now have like a gainful, really meaningful career, you know, people in their community see that and they're like, "Where? like, how did you get that? Where did you get access to that? Oh, I, it was C. And then that kind of word of mouth continues. We do currently do programming in the GTHA um, area. We have expanded to Montreal and our hope is to end up in Halifax, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal. And the reason for those um, specific cities is we find that there are very large populations of black youth and the unemployment rates there are very high. And so we wanna be able to do what we've done here Um, In Toronto, we want to be able to bring that, but we don't want to do it in the traditional way where we just like go and plant ourselves in another city that we have no historical, you know, context or knowledge in. Um, Every community is different. Uh, The experience of Black Canadians across the country is very different, particularly for young people. And so we have um, in our organization what we call sector leadership, and we support over 100 uh, grassroots and emerging organizations across the country, and we want to be able to equip them with our model and not necessarily show up in that neighbor- in that community, but we want to build the capacity of emerging and grassroots organizations that are connected to community. They know their the needs of their community communities, but maybe just need the infrastructure and the model that we have here at sea to kind of be handed over to them um, and, and build the capacity. And so we do that through our sector leadership.
1: Um, that that's incredible. And if there's ever anyone, any Halifax connections that we can help if at all, um, I'm, I assume that you're highly connected through the BBPA and the BBI, but just in case there's ever, you know, any support that we could do as a East coast podcast. Um, of course we'd love to connect you with people. I can think of people who would be great leaders, um, in Halifax that we happen to know that would probably champion this quite well. Um, and I'm curious, you mentioned, so you mentioned the, the 10 years of the organization and I'm sort of curious um in terms of like once someone um is comes to the organization or is you know their outreach however they end up there how long is the process before they sort of, graduate and what does that look like in terms of like it's because i'm thinking of it almost like you know if you've got that trauma from you got those three sort of the steps and then these modules is it like a several weeks long process is it years until you know you're sort of partnered with a job and then you can come back or what it really
2: depends on the actual program uh some of our programs are six months and some of our programs are you know six weeks
1: Oh, okay, amazing.
0: Okay, um, what are some of the challenges that you faced throughout your, your 10 years of uh, existing?
2: <laughs> what are some of our challenges? Um, okay, I think the first challenge is like be eating a black lead and black serving. Yeah, <laughs> I think the first challenge with the Black-led organization is really just the fact that you're going to always get people saying, well, why Black youth and not everyone? Um, and that's probably the biggest challenge, particularly when you're fundraising and people are more interested in, like, helping the masses. Uh, that definitely can be challenging. And I think the other challenge that comes across uh, a lot of the time is just the exactly what the campaign is about like it convincing employers and corporate Canada that black youth like creating a talent pool of black youth is going to enhance your workforce it's not going to uh, look like you're you know uh, favoritism to a particular population it's really just recognizing that this is a talent pool that has been untapped across the country and that you want to foster that, invest in it. And I think the other piece to it is a lot of employers, particularly in corporate Canada, think that um, engaging or partnering is just putting a flag in the middle of a community and saying, Hey, we're hiring, like, come on, everyone, like apply. And there's no historical relationship with these communities. There's no um, understanding of, you know, what it takes to enter into that field. And so, Um, I think there needs to be an understanding or an educating of folks to know that um, part of engaging with Black communities is providing resources and building relationships first and foremost, which means going in there and, you know, building partnerships with like an organization like ours to say, hey, we want to be able to provide this for your community. How do we go about that? What is a methodical strategic way of doing that rather than just kind of throwing it out in the air hey we're hiring oh no one applied like well we tried
0: <laughs> yeah um, i go ahead go ahead <laughs> you no, go ahead Glenn. please no you go
1: um i'm more i'm curious and and maybe you you said it or it's listed somewhere but and i i've missed it but i'm curious are there have there been like job or like you mentioned you're you, you know you're not a like a recruitment job place, you're not doing that, you're more so building the person, but are there employers or organizations that have said like that they would like to partner and, and automatically take people who graduate from specific programs based on their needs, um, at all, just out of my own curiosity? Oh, let me see, Agape, did you hear my question?
0: Um, I'm not sure if she did. So I'll, I'll send her a private message in the chat and, uh, but, uh, no oh, we're waiting. on. Oh, for sure. That.
2: All of our programs have really strong corporate partners. Um, you know, if we use our VFX program, as an example, uh, you know, it's been VFX. There's a, a lot of organizations that have come alongside us, uh, and so
1: can you not hear me? We can't, we, I'm we guessing can. the lag is really bad.
0: <laughs> we can hear you, but can I, you I think me? there's a, a bit of a lag. We can hear you. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully that lag will uh, fix itself in a little bit. In the meantime, Mike and Nancy, I've, I've got a couple questions for you. Um, I'll, I'll go back and start with, with Mike. Um, what are your goals with outsider genre moving forward? Um, and if there's just any more elaboration you want to go into, like what, what you do for the organization specifically and stuff like that. I'd love to hear more about that. And then Nancy, I think we've got a couple more questions for you too.
3: So the goal for this is to... Grow this into an international media company. Right, right now, um, based on the campaign and based on what I was doing, we got attention from a really, really successful media company in town. And what's so interesting mm-hmm. about that media company is that a person that works for C used to work for the company that the previous founder started. So it's all in the same And she told me to go there. And that goes to show that people who are committed to this work and people are committed to diversity inclusion are always being there. That's the goal for it. Right now, I'm building a lot of relationships internationally. And I would love to have a project with fellow C alumni shown internationally one day.
0: That'd be amazing, and that is a good example of the interconnectedness of uh, the organization and how you you bond together, and you, you have that shared connection in everything you do. Uh, how how big is the team there? Is just a, a couple of you? Is
3: it a larger organization? Well, we're uh, we're starting. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid social enterprise, and sees our trustee, yes. and currently okay. we have twenty people wow but, uh, wow let through a partnership with ripen so students sure but that, uh, still, yeah
0: and before you went in to see did you have did you did you have this any the skill sets or i'm sure you always had like an entrepreneurial mindset but did you have the skill sets the the, the knowledge the know-how the connections the, the drive maybe to to ever launch anything like
3: this honestly the confidence wasn't there i'd be quite honest with you but after the program, the confidence was there to really start something. And what's amazing is that what C has done with this campaign just confirms that it really is possible. Okay, so you had the
0: skill sets, but maybe confidence can be fifty percent of the venture in a lot of it these things. Right? Cool. Like say, just starting, it is starting. Just starting is literally fifty percent of it in a lot of examples. So it gave you the. The feeling that you could accomplish and achieve what you wanted to do. Exactly. Is and that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, That's it great. really did. And now it's crazy when you're on a billboard, people treat you so differently, and the opportunities have really opened <laughs> up. So I'm really happy for the whole community because this is a great moment and this moment will last a lifetime. For sure.
1: Nancy I want to ask you because I am curious you mentioned the blog and wanting to drive traffic to the blog and I'm curious did it have anything to do because now you're in digital marketing now I assume you're trying to grow traffic and numbers for other people you mentioned the growth of of tech which is something I hear consistently in Toronto as well I think it's what we're hearing across the board but what was the blog about (laughs) and what (laughs) like what is your passion like is your passion were you trying to talk about where you're at now or has that migrated to now wanting to amplify other people's voices?
4: No, my, my block is essentially just to share stories because I understand mm-hmm. that, especially let's say if you're a young entrepreneur who's trying to open a business mm-hmm. and maybe previous to coming in to see I used to model. So, and because a lot of the models used to complain, Hey, um, I, X, Y, and Z photographer wouldn't work with me because I'm not feature or I'm not like, you know, get it. I'm not like, um, attached to a very high public uh, magazines or things like that. So I opened my blog essentially just to share stories. So that way, when you're featured in my blog, you can go to somebody to be like, hey, I was featured in Nisi Lexi, now give me that opportunity so I can scale up my business. And this is like a highlight. One of the successful story that I actually got recently, there's a girl that I interviewed about two years ago in Kenya. And she came back to me and she's like, as a result of that feature, she actually got a grant to start up her own company. And now she have her own clothing line and the government of Kenya was able to give her funding because of that feature. So, and also just because of understanding the power of media is very important, especially being a black person, all the time media is telling our stories, but there's no control of how we wanted to tell our story. So through my blog, I wanted you to be able to come there to share your story from your own perspective. It's not edit, it's just for your own voice. And that's essentially what was the main idea. Is that I asked you the questions and you answered from your own boi- voice and your own perspective, and now we've gone from just being a, a written portion to actually having like a video cast and also doing a, a podcast version of that. And as a result of that, I have tapped into like countries in. Seven countries in Africa, in India. I also did like Australia cover. So there's, it has grown since that 10 people that used to, you know, view my channel when I first started. (laughs) And as a result of that, I also got monetized through YouTube, through uh, Spotify and things like that. And now, this is since I have learned all the skills, I decided, you know what, maybe it's time for me to also share that knowledge and not just keep it to myself. So I came back to see during the pandemic to learn how to make my business properly and they had this program called corex and through the corex i was able to meet with mentors i was able to uh meet with other uh like-minded entrepreneurs and they taught us how to do our taxes how to register our names and how to also kind of like you know launch a business properly and through that experience i was able to also get away and actually go and actually launch my course and now i teach some of these courses at george brown college and i also teach in South wow. Sudan. yeah
0: that's amazing. Uh, to those, again, watching, not listening, uh, we just put your your blog on the screen for a little bit there and some of the different sections of it. Uh, when you scroll down to the bottom, you've, you've really been featured and in involved with a lot of radio stations, organizations, like even universities. So yeah. your, your blog has definitely got out there. Congrats on that. <laughs> <Nice> to see. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is great to see.
1: Yes. Well, it's absolutely incredible to hear um, of organizations doing like this. And I I hope that um, people listening, no matter where they are, are inspired to either learn more, participate, give Black youth opportunities. Um, But also, I I do think that more organizations, I hope organizations out in the East Coast reach out and want to adopt the model as well, just because I think that there's definitely a lack of and we've talked about this a lot on the show. There's a lack of a lot of what uh, Nancy just discussed, like financial literacy, how to build a business, mentorship opportunities. I think that are out there. I know that Tribe Network out in Halifax is doing a lot of great, you know, startup mentorship and opportunities for Black organizations. But it's one of the few that I can think of that's doing it at least in the in the four Atlantic provinces in the East Coast. Because I even think back to just a little, a year and a half ago when we founded Black Atlantic as a business, um, and, and having, you know, a lot of the same questions as well around, or at least for me, I Clinton seasoned, seasoned business owner, but I was like, how do you register a name? How do you become a corporate? How do you do any of these things? And it's definitely not easy without some guidance, especially as you know, coming from a family with no financial literacy being in systems as well. Like it's just so, um, It's so tough to navigate on your own. And it's not something that's taught in school for for any person, uh, regardless of color, privilege, anything. They really don't teach, like, basic business foundation unless you study business in university, from my understanding. So um, that's amazing. And um, right now, for anyone looking, um, Clinton's pulled up outsider genre as well. Is it .co or is it .com? .dot .co. It is .co. Okay.
0: and uh, I, have my, I have my dark mode on just for anyone watching as well you're seeing the, the dark version of the website so it cool. probably look a little bit different on your computers but yeah yeah no I, uh, I always love checking this out during the recording and uh, no Nancy like we really connect with that as well uh, another reason Hillary was saying like we, we started a Black Atlantic was because out here on the East Coast, um, you know, Black voices weren't being represented. There was no platform, there was no outlet to have them uplifted. Uh, That has changed a bit over the years through work that we've done. But uh, you know, the media only ever focused on Black stories when it had to do with trauma or pain or, or mining our like our pain to interview us about some kind of catastrophe that took place. Otherwise. You know we weren't in the media so that's that's one of our goals to continue that work out here um i'm going to pivot for a quick second and just ask since we are primarily an atlantic based show and you did mention eventually expanding into halifax Agapi. hopefully we, we've got you back now um I'm you back. Know, is there have there been any talks have you has there been any i really respect what you said about just not moving into a community and saying like hey we're here uh but sort of understanding the the city uh which will definitely serve you well in a a community like Halifax Um, but have there been any conversations is there a projected five or ten year plan to to coming out east Uh, we think what you do is really amazing and uh, yeah I'd just like to know about uh, the actual future plans for the east coast
2: yeah so I actually um, had the privilege of doing a, a Nova Scotia study tour this summer and so I was able to go from Halifax all the way down to, um, why is that, uh, Saint
0: John, <laughs> Moncton, yeah. St. John? Moncton? Yeah, I went
2: to and I also went to, it's a very beautiful island, um, yeah, Prince Edward Breton. <laughs> okay, Breton. Breton.
0: Oh, okay, that's okay. I'm so sorry. You get a Breton pass, you get a pass, you're at the airport, Alberta. there's a lot going on.
2: Yeah, so Cape Breton Island, all the way down to Cape Breton Island. And so, I I mean, before we go into any community, we have to have some understanding of it and, like, who the players are and what. And Black folks are facing such different challenges over there. The labor market looks very different compared to the East Coast. And so, um, we have done, like, our preliminary just, like, trying to understand, you know, what the challenges might be. At the end of the day, we're going to rely on folks who, who know their communities well and just looking at who the, the players are there. We have met with the mayor of Halifax office to talk about the work that we're doing and how we can kind of support the work that's happening there. The unemployment rate in Halifax specifically for Black and male uh, women and men are horrendous. Like It's just not something our, our community should uh, be okay with and I think that people need to be held accountable to that um, and resources need to get pumped in in like a meaningful way and so uh, our hope is that we'll be able to secure some funding Halifax would probably be the first uh, we've we we've already expanded into Montreal and so they would be the third uh, city that we'd want to definitely get in as soon as possible there's a v- extreme need there um, that we can see in terms of the data, I think on the ground, it tells a very different story. So we're looking, anyone who is listening um, and they are part of a grassroots or emerging organization and they're interested in the type of model that we've kind of discussed here. And really one of the biggest things that we work on is strategic partnerships. So making sure that corporate Canada, government and us as community are at the table and we're all mutually benefiting. I think it's important for our community to know that, you know, as nonprofits, for instance, and registered charities, you know, government makes promises, and then we fulfill them, you know, like, that's how this thing works. And when it comes to our community, we're we are government's constituents, and we need to hold folks accountable for where uh, our tax dollars are going. And it means that if that means that we need to apply pressure to ensure that, you know, they don't know, they don't have the answers, we have the answers. And it's just how are we now going to illustrate that and create opportunities for ourselves to uh, empower our own communities and work alongside each other. And so if you are a black led, black focused and black serving organization, and you're listening, and you want to connect, please reach out to us. You can visit us at ccenter.org or ctoronto.org. We really want to be able to work alongside you. This is not this work is not an overnight thing. Like, building community takes time and it takes strategic planning and, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Uh, And so much like our programs, we often tell like donors and and sponsors that this work takes time and uh, resources and we can't skip on either. So um, I think the same goes for as we expand across the country, we want to make methodical partnerships. Where um, we're ready, they're ready, and we really understand the impact that we're trying to make on our community. And so, um, I think for for anyone that's listening, and that sounds like something they might be interested in, our plan is to um, get in there in the next next three years. We have um, brought to the attention to the federal government the need for this, and we're we're looking to, you know, push government to to make a move because. If we can't continue to talk about labor gaps and how we need to fill them, if there are untapped resources within our country that need to be t- that that could help right now, like today.
0: Yeah, uh, it sounds like you're saying the the, the data and, and the story on the ground in Halifax is that the unemployment rate is out of control, and that really speaks to what our understanding is because uh, you know the more you learn about Halifax and its history and of the race uh, relations and the racial tensions, I mean Halifax was. Very, very much so, a city that was designed uh, with almost a conscious intention to keep black people away from opportunity, away from education, away from easy access to employment, and even like away from accessible public transit and stuff like that. Like, they're really, uh, uh, Africville aside, if you know that story, they've really been. Pushed out in intentionally, uh, discriminated against in a, in a really harsh way. In, in which you still see the the resonance of that uh, every day. Just anytime you're in the city. Um,
2: I did so yeah. uh, what when, when when I did that study for this this um, summer. I did it with uh, folks from across the Commonwealth. Um, so there were folks from African countries, from Australia, etc. So there were 15 of us. And there were 13, from 13 different countries. There were probably about two or three Canadians that were in my group. And to be honest, like, I felt so ashamed. Like, going through that study tour, I feel like it was supposed to be empowering. And, like, as Canadians, we're supposed to be like, look at how beautiful our country is. And I was so ashamed to be Canadian going through that tour. And I hate to say that. um, But I just, the systemic racism that took place and how we are just like but look how beautiful it is and now we have this beautiful golf course and it's just like "Mm." Uh, and then it's like oh well what was here before and did you displace anyone it's just like well yeah a little but but look how pretty it is it's just like "Uh." and luckily you know I was with a group of folks who were woken up to be like "Uh, this is not okay Um, but I felt very 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 ashamed to be Canadian and I feel like as black Canadians across the country, not a lot of people know the stories that uh, that took place in Halifax, and I think that the more we educate ourselves, the more I left with a great sense of enragement, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. I left that study tour very enraged and very ready to do yeah. more work. Uh, and so I feel like, not that I want to instill enragement in all of us, but uh, I think as Black Canadians, we need to not be okay with how
0: things are going down in? The- yeah uh H- halifax again has like one of the longest histories of black people in canada and uh like you alluded to in the beginning of this call uh, you know the term black is, is so diverse and, and spans across so many different countries and cultures uh, beliefs religions even languages uh but here we all here here we all are in this country called canada and and we're all black together it's kind of like the the culture that was created <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, lots of work to be done. Um, we have a few minutes left. Um, Nancy, do you do you have any final thoughts, closing thoughts, uh, things you really want listeners to have heard or, or know about by the end of this call episode? Nancy, can you can you hear us? I don't think Nancy can hear us at the moment. Mike, can you hear us? Same question for you. Um, I only
4: hear a part of it.
0: Okay. Um, Can you hear me now? I know you're having some connection issues. We can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah,
4: now I can hear you.
0: Okay. I think we have a lag once again. So while we're getting that worked out, I'll just move on to Mike. Mike, um, is there anything that you, uh, before we wrap up, that you, you feel uh, that is important to get across to listeners like this this episode? You know, I know you do a lot of interviews, I think I heard, but uh, this episode will be much more accessible to people on the East Coast and, you know, on YouTube just for the, the course of time.
3: Uh... Yeah, just it's an amazing movement that we have going on. And shout out to the East Coast. I'm actually from Calgary. So you have a Calgarian out here doing it. Hey. I just wanted every youth to know that Black youth can. Black youth can.
0: Beautiful. Um, Agape, same same question for you. Unfortunately, it seems like we've lost Nancy, and she's doing her best to, to get back in here. uh, any closing thoughts or feelings anything you really want to leave uh, our listenership with
2: yeah i think that nancy and mike are just perfect examples of you know just dynamic young people there's so much more where they came from um and so i really think that everyone kind of watching and listening i really hope that they're they've been an inspiration to to connect and see if there's you know, a cousin, a, a neighbor, whoever that um, that you think could use a community like this to to connect them. And if it's not at sea, some type of organization that that can support young people in getting where they would like to be. Because I think otherwise, um, you know, it might be a missed opportunity for not for us not to be able to experience a Mike or a Nancy. True,
0: true, true. Um, Nancy, can you hear us?
4: No, I can hear you. <laughs> I saw- okay, perfect. You're me out.
0: <laughs> That's okay. You're you're fighting. You're, you're resilient. <laughs> you're back. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you really would like our, our listenership to hear or take away from this this podcast today?
4: Yeah, definitely. For me, one thing I always say for any youth that in Toronto or anywhere in Canada that are interested in like either like kickstart their career. Or- or start their, you know, their profession in any of these high techs, definitely go to C because C changed my life. I'm not even joking, but that's because they offer me not only the scholarship, but also the mentors, the friendship. Some, there's still some people that I've uh, went to classes with, I'm still good close friends with, and one of them is actually not working for me. And this is just some of the opportunities that you're gonna be uh, getting at C. They, C will see your potential, C will guide you through the whole process. And see, it's not only there to just kind of like, you know, have you as a number in the roster, but it's going to be with you throughout the journey. So that is something that I really love about it. And I'm always going to advocate for C. And for those youth who wanted to be a part of it, definitely take that chance in the leap of faith.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely amazing. Um, thank you all so much for sharing your story and telling us about more about the organization. Agape, I completely understand why you won that Harry Jerome Award. I think that this work is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, and I'm so excited to see Nancy and Mike wear your careers take you. Um, I hope that you know this podcast can do for you some of the work that you've been doing for other people. We always hope to. I think I think all Black people have it ingrained in ourselves that we want to build legacy and do more for everyone else. And so I hope that anyone listening can either partner um, by you know adopting the model or reaching out in any way. Um, and honestly, I will champion this I'm from Toronto since I'm actually here. <laughs> since I'm here, um, doing as much as I can to share the amazing work that you guys are doing. I thought that all of your stories were so inspirational and I sincerely mean that I I my favorite thing about this podcast is learning about about these amazing organizations, but I always also feel that I wish New Brunswick would have had something like this. I wish my youth would have had something like this. Um, but that means that you're doing the right work um and doing things that are so important to people who do need this type of stuff. Um, I I'm just inspired as usual at the end of our podcast, Clinton. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to add.
0: No, just a, a thank you once again for for enlightening our listeners and sharing your organization. Um, you know, this is something I don't want to discredit. There are organizations in Atlantic Canada that uh, do work similar to yours, although maybe not exactly what you do. I definitely encourage you, if you haven't already, to connect with Tribe Network out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. But um, no, just want to thank you for being on the show. Uh check out com. that's n-e-e-c-e-e-l-e-x-y.com uh, and then outsidergenre.co uh, just spelled the way that you'd imagine uh, and then of course oh where did it go the c center uh, just for our audio listeners c center c-e-e-c-e-n-t-r-e.org um Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, We're going to follow all you guys and uh, keep in touch. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think think we'll take it out here with a little outro.